Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're turning there, just to give you a heads up, we're starting um, a, a study, really, uh, in the midst of a study. So we've been going through uh, the book of 1 Corinthians for exactly one year this weekend. And now we are coming to chapter 12. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. As we go through chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, um, and there's rumblings already. That's good. That's good and expected. Um, And just as you're turning there, as we get into chapter 12, at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul writes, Now, um, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, as we've studied through, and if you study through the book of 1 Corinthians, what you find is, um, throughout the book, Paul is addressing different things. Some of those things were reported to him by Chloe's people, it says, in chapter 1. And so he's responding to some, some things that are happening in the church that need to be addressed. But also... The Corinthians had written to him, and so we come to these sections that start with now concerning and then whatever it is that they wrote about. We don't get to see the exact letter. We don't get to see what the question and how it was formulated. We don't know for sure as we get into the, the, the topic of spiritual gifts if, if it was uh, a question that's coming from someone who was concerned about the things they were seeing taking place in the body of Corinth. We don't know if it's someone who's just asking. We don't know how or, 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 or from what um, perspective it's formulated, but we just know that now Paul is addressing that as we go through chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. So it's going to be a long study. There is a lot to uh, unpack in it. And I know um, some of you have been anticipating this. You've been waiting. When are we going to get to chapter 12, 13? Really? When are we going to get to chapter 14? That's what everyone wants to know, right? Okay. And so over these next weeks, people are going to be anxious. You're coming. Does Tony have to talk about tongues this week? Right? I know your hearts. I know you're sick that way. That's okay. All right. (laughs) Understood. Okay. We will get through all of that. We're going to cover all of that over these next several weeks. Okay. Here's what my heart and desire is as we go through this, uh, these chapters together is that you would come praying and expecting. That you would come and seek the Lord and ask the Lord, how have you equipped me? One of the issues in Corinth was they were looking at everyone else and how the Lord had equipped them. How have you equipped me, Lord, to bring you glory and to see the body built up together And pray that way that the Lord would reveal his heart to us through this. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want me to be uninformed. And so pray and seek the Lord and ask the Lord to help us through this study so that he's glorified. Okay, I'll tell you, we're going to get to parts of this study that every one of us brings baggage to. We want the Lord's will. He has spoken and he wrote it down. How gracious of him. So let's seek what he desires in the body of Christ. Okay, so let's pray to that end. I do not want you to be uninformed, he says. Some of the Corinthians, it seems like they had gotten off base concerning spiritual gifts. They had brought baggage from their former idol worshiping days. They're prideful. We're prideful. They wanted attention. We want attention. They didn't understand the purposes or 
or at times didn't understand the purposes of spiritual gifts. Likewise, at times we don't remember the purpose of spiritual gifts. And so let's pray that the Lord will help us as we go through this. Let me read the text for this morning. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 of chapter 12. Let's stand together as I read. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your Word, Lord, a treasure to treasure. God, we need and Lord, we want to hear from you. So would you speak to us through your word? We are unworthy. We are unworthy servants and you have bestowed on us your grace. You have bestowed on us gifts. You have bestowed on us your word. We're unworthy of even holding this book in our hands. Because you have spoken and you've written it down and we treat it so carelessly so often. Please help us, God. Help us to be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers of your word. As we set out to go through these three chapters, Lord, help us to not lose sight of you. May you be glorified in our hearing. May you be glorified in our response. And guard us, I pray, from error. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Let me read again for you verses 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now it seems like, we don't know the circumstances or how it was happening or what happened, but it seems like from a reading from what Paul is saying in these two verses, he's reminding them, right? He's pointing them back. I want you to remember your former days and how you used to live. Formerly, you were idol worshipers. Formerly, you went to pagan temples. Formerly, you participated in worship the way that the pagans participate in idol worship. But something changed. Something happened. In in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, Paul tells them um, that they're not lacking in any spiritual gift. 
But he says, I want you to remember how you used to worship, but something changed. That's what we learned in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. Something changed. You don't worship the way that you used to worship. There should be a distinction in how you worship the one true God. And so he says, remember, I want you to remember your former ways, what you used to be like. You're not like that anymore. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. We don't know the details. We don't get to see what's the circumstance going on here. Why is he... Why is he talking about this in the midst of answering their question about spiritual gifts? It seems like something must have happened in corporate worship together where someone said something that had to do with cursing Jesus, whether it had to do with because he was died on a cross, as it says in Galatians, cursed is the one who dies on, or, or, or who dies on a tree. Um, whatever it is, it seems as if someone has said something, blurted out something in the context of worship and possibly has been embraced as a part of worship as if the Holy Spirit spoke that through. Whatever it is, Paul is saying, that's not of the Spirit. And anything that we do of the Spirit will never say or oppose God and who He is and and what His Word has said. In fact, He goes on and he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit always, always affirms the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Leon Morris says this of this verse, if the exercise of spiritual gifts does not make for the Lordship of Christ, they are not from God. It's not the lordship of us that spiritual gifts are about. It's not the lordship of you. It's not the lordship of me. It's not to point to me. It's not to point to you. It always, always, if it's from the spirit, it's going to point to Christ. The work of the spirit through gifts must agree with the work of the spirit through his fruit. So Galatians 5 is very clear, right? Very clear. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The work of the Spirit through gifts is not going to deny the work of the Spirit through fruit. So in corporate worship, if there's anything that is denying the work of the Spirit in self-control that we have to step back and analyze and say, whoa, 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 we know for sure that the fruit that the Holy Spirit works in a person is self-control and love, which is not self-seeking, we will find out in chapter 13. So anything Paul's saying that's not pointing to the Lordship of Christ, anything that's denying who God is and what he has said is not from God. It's not from the Spirit. And it seems as if, the Corinthians have gotten off base. Now, is Paul saying in verse 3 that, that no one can articulate the sounds needed to verbalize Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit? No, he's not saying that. We know from Matthew 7, Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and say, what? Lord, Lord, right? And they will point to, they will, they will aim, point to spiritual gifts as 
proof of their worth. Right? That's what it says. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not um, cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many uh, mighty works in your name? They're pointing to works. They're pointing to what people would refer to as spiritual gifts as proof of their worth to get to heaven. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And so we want to be cautious as we go through this. What are spiritual gifts and what are they about? Jesus says in Matthew 8, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so we, we know that when Paul writes in verse 3 here, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about an affirming belief and verbalization. That I'm believing, I am believing in my heart and, and in what I'm doing. Jesus, you are Lord. That's putting our weight, our trust, our everything, believing, resting in Jesus and the work that he has accomplished. So spiritual gifts always affirm the lordship of Jesus Christ because that's what the Spirit does. So today what we're going to look at is what is the purpose? Spiritual gifts are purposeful. What are the purpose or what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Before we get to that, let me give us a definition. When we talk about a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts, what's the definition of a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is an equipping or gifting of a follower of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Wayne Grudem in his uh, systematic theology writes this, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. I don't think that um, a spiritual gift is natural. It's not necessarily a talent that you had before coming to Christ. Um, it may have been, but it, it not, it's not necessarily that. In fact, I hated speaking. I mean, through elementary school, junior high, high school, college, I hated speaking in front of people. I was the student, even in college, okay, that if I was called on, I would turn beat red and then use every muscle in my body to keep me from crying in front of the class. I am dead serious. I know like the rumors that go around. I hear the rumors that are all around like on Sundays and everything that Tony's so tough, right? <laughs> I, it's okay. I mean, I heard it's okay. You know, I have to deny it's not true though. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I just hated it. But when the time came, when the Lord called me into full-time ministry in the church and, and, and called me to be a youth pastor, at that point, from that moment on, there was never a fear. There was never a nervousness. There was just something that the Spirit knew when it was time for me to need that. I needed that. And, and, and so he equips and he empowers. It may be something that you were talented with before you came to Christ, but it's not the talent then. It's the empowering of that by the Holy Spirit to be used for his glory. In the same way, just as I come up here this morning, I've spent hours crafting a sermon, studying through many passages and many notes and, and, and all of these things and crafting a sermon that I hope starts at one place and ends at another and in between is helpful. 
That doesn't mean it's spirit-empowered. It just means that someone crafted a speech, maybe. And I'm dependent on the Spirit to do what I can't do. So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of that? If the Spirit equips us, empowers us, gifts us in different ways, why? Why does He do that? That's what we're going to look at. And ultimately, I'll I'll give one answer, and then we'll give some sub-answers. But ultimately, He gifts with spiritual gifts so that God would be glorified. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll come back here a, a handful of times through the series. Verses 10 and 11, 1 Peter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So ultimately, God gifts us. He, 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 uh, as each has received a gift, use it, Peter says, in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. To us belong no glory and no dominion. To him belong all glory and all dominion. And so as he equips us and gifts us, it's for him and for his glory. And I think we can see back in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11, that God is glorified through the gifting of his people in three ways. There's more. We could... Come up with more. We're three this morning, okay? We're going to look mainly at verses four through seven. The first is this. God is glorified through the gifting of his people as they display a Trinitarian-like unity. In verses four through six, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There's varieties of gifts, there's varieties of of service, it says in the ESV, or ministries. There's varieties of activities, or if you have the New American Standard, it says effect there, that's probably a better word, effectiveness. So there's varieties of gifts, there's varieties of ministries, there's varieties of effectiveness, and all of those come from the triune God. God gifts the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the gifts are diverse. There are many. There's various kinds of gifts. There are many roles. There are many gifts in the body of Christ. Likewise, there are different roles in the Trinity, in the Godhead. And he's pointing there to the Trinity. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God, the Father, who empowers them all in everyone. There's varieties of gifts. And when used rightly, this variety in the body displays the unity that we see in the Trinity. We talked a few weeks ago when we were in in, uh, chapter 11. 
how there's, there's differing roles, willing roles in the Godhead, in the Trinity. Jesus, the Son of God, willingly submits to the Father. Why? For the glory of the Father. He's equal in essence to the Father. The Holy Spirit willingly points, constantly pointing to the Son, to the Father. Look, glorify the Son, glorify the Father, willingly doing that for the glory of God. They have different roles. They function in different ways. And some of those, as we look and see through here in giftings, they overlap. But we see distinct roles in the Godhead. And and yet, two things. There's one God. Now, we could spend the next 45 years and talk about that, right? It's baffling and beautiful. That the scripture clearly teaches that God is the triune God existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit uniquely working in different roles. And there is only one God. Beautiful. Mind-blowing. Graciously mind-blowing. We don't get that. It's true. And in that trinity, in the Godhead... There is unending joy and unity, equality, diversity. Likewise, there's differing roles, there's differing, differing um, things and, 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 and gifts and, and, and ministries in the church. That shouldn't be a matter of, of contention between people in the body. As if the members of the body are not equal. Just, just as much as, as the members of the Trinity are equal, so the people of the body are equal. And God sovereignly gifts differently. In fact, verse 11 says, All of these, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. It's His choice. It's His decision. He apportions and He gives gifts By his own choice and his freedom. And and, and, and that's not saying that there's a, uh, some members are not equal to other members. We're equal. And we are one body. There should be joy in our one body, just as there is unending joy in the Trinity. We can, as equal parts of the body, have joyful unity as we serve in differing and distinct roles. And we should. We should. One of the ways that we glorify God in the body is by using those gifts to display the unity that we see in the Trinity. Though there are varieties of gifts and ministries and even effectiveness, and just to to highlight that word, effectiveness, a moment, just to give us a picture of that, because it's important. If you look at Acts 11, I think this is such a good picture of effectiveness and how there's differing effectiveness graciously granted by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. In Acts 11, starting with verse 19, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, 
speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Question, was the Lord not with the other people? Or the other people that went to the other places and spoke, were they not equal to those? That's not true. The Lord was with them. They were taking the gospel. But the hand of the Lord, the point is, was uniquely on this group of people in this place for the glory of God. And the church explodes. It's wonderful. Likewise, there are varieties of gifts and ministries and effectiveness in the body. God distributes and empowers and he does it purposefully. And he never does it in a way that denies who he is. Paul says there's one spirit, one Lord, one God. Same spirit, same Lord, same God. Varieties never deny that. Never deny the lordship, never deny the oneness, never deny the purpose of God. And we're going to look at this quite a bit more over the next weeks. We talk about different kinds of gifts, but the exercise, the exercise of those gifts in the body should reflect the unity in the exercise of the roles in the Trinity. The second way that we glorify God through gifts is the manifestation of the Spirit. In verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Gifts glorify God as they show off the Spirit of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. The word manifestation means an event or action or object that clearly shows something. Your gift, your spiritual gift or gifts is made, is God made visible through you. That's what it should be. As I use the gifts that God has given me in the body of Christ, it should be making God visible through me. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That word manifestation is why I don't think that spiritual gifts are natural or simply just talents. It's, it's something that God is empowering to show himself off. When you manifest something, you bring it to light. You put it forward for people to see. So the spirit apportions to each person a gift or gifts by his will that will display him. It will shine a light on him that will put him forward. We'll bring him to light. We'll show him off. We think about spiritual gifts. They're supernatural. And that doesn't mean that all gifts or spiritual gifts are all apostolic-like miraculous works. It doesn't mean that. Paul says in verse 6, there are varieties of activities or effectiveness But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. In verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So you may have a lot more effectiveness for the gospel than me. John Piper may have a lot more effectiveness for the gospel than me. And that is all 
purposeful to glorify God and to shine light on him because it's not about me and it's not about you and it's not about John Piper. Gifts given by God are meant to display God. It's a manifestation of the spirit to shine a light on the spirit. It's not about the Corinthians. We want so badly for it to be about us, right? Right? I do. I mean, so often I find myself correcting my error in thinking because I want it to be about me, but it's not. That's where the Corinthians start getting off track when they start making it about themselves. I'm not satisfied with what God has given me. I want that. I had the uh, opportunity, blessing to speak at a senior high camp in northern Wisconsin two weeks ago. And just days before leaving and going, just realizing I want these people to like me and my analogies more than I want them to like you, Lord. It's not good. How often we have to correct and have to come before the Lord and beg him, Lord, I don't need just need your spirit to gift me. I need you to use me and protect me from myself because I will make this gift about me. The gifts of the spirit are meant to make us admire and love and submit to the spirit. So I'd ask you, is God glorified through you using your gift or gifts by there being unity and by his spirit being admired and loved and submitted to you? Is that your aim in using your gifts? Or do you want to be heard? Do you want to be seen? Do you want to be loved? Are you the one that you want them to admire? Do you want to be submitted to? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The third way that we glorify God through our gifts is the common good. Again, gifts are not about me. They're not about you. God is glorified through the use of gifts as they are used to build up the body of Christ. Common good. And when they're used for his glory, they will build up the body of Christ. If you and I, all of us come together and we are using the gifts that God has given to us, his body will be built up. People will be equipped. It'll be for the common good. We can see from the passage, we're not going to get into all of this with common good. We have the blessing of verses 12 through 26 to work through in two weeks. The picture that he gives there, we're not going to get there today. But we can see from this, and and, and, and Paul explaining in verse 7 that the to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You were not gifted and I was not gifted so that we could take our gift and hide it. Right? I mean, you think of the, the, the um, parable that Jesus gives of the, the king who gives talents, right? One gets five talents, one gets two talents, one gets one talent. You remember the one with five talents? He, he uses it. He invests it, right? And then the one with two does likewise. And the one with one, he buries it out of fear of the king. He buries it. The king comes back, the Lord is the picture there, right? And comes back, and the one brings back not just his five, but five more. He has ten. 
Another one comes back, has two to start with, and his have multiplied. And then the one who had one comes and confesses to the Lord, I was afraid. I knew you were a harsh king, and I buried it. I did nothing with it. And the Lord judges him for it. It's not meant to be buried. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not just something for you and the Lord and the privacy of your home. It's for the common good. It should show off the spirit and it should build up the body of Christ. And people will ask me, what's the vision of Cornerstone? What's your church vision? And honestly, my answer is we don't have a five-year plan. We don't have a 10-year plan. We don't. Michael and I were were looking through Ephesians 4 as we were going through the uh, book of Ephesians a couple years ago. You come to verse, uh, verses 11 through 16 in Ephesians 4. That's the purpose of the church. That's the vision of the church. We're not going to go into it deeply right now because we're going to look at that in three weeks. But he says he gifts, he equips, he gives uh, apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the church for the work of ministry and goes through and, and says what that looks like. That's the purpose of the church. That's the vision of the church. And so what I would want you to know is if you've been gifted and if you're in Christ, we'll see next week, you have been gifted. If you've been gifted and you're not a part of the body and using the gift that God has given you uniquely in the body of Christ, then we cannot be as a church what God has called us to be in Ephesians 4. Because the picture of Ephesians 4, which is so beautiful, is that the church is being equipped and they're growing into the knowledge and image of Jesus Christ, who is the mature man, it says. And it's this very cyclical process that, you, that we as the body go through where we're building each other up in love and speaking the truth in love as we become more equipped and more knowledgeable about who God is. But we don't cross the finish line and don't look like Jesus until we are dead. So we have a long way to go, hopefully, right? Some of you are thinking, and it's very cyclical that we just continue to go through this process. But the common good, the building up of the body, the speaking the truth and love is what Paul's talking about here. Initiate your gift for the common good. And as you use your gift or gifts in the body of Christ, that's what begins to happen. And that's what we want. There's a goal in Ephesians 4, and we cannot be what God has called us to be if the body is not engaged. So let's pray. Let's pray to that end. Let's be people who glorify God with our gifts as we point, as a body, as we point to the Trinity and the unity, the beauty, the one-mindedness there. As we manifest the Holy Spirit, we point to the Spirit. We glorify God as we point to the Spirit through what we do. And as we see the body built up, Corinthians Corinthians were blessed. They were equipped. They were not lacking in any spiritual gift, but some of them forgot what the purpose of their gifts were. They got off track. Let's pray that the Lord protects us from that. Gifts are not for self-glorification. They're for the glory of God. They're not for division, for unity and diversity. They're not for showing off. They're for showing the spirit. 
Not for building a name for yourself, but for building the body of Christ. So may we move forward seeking God's gracious hand. Come hungry and pray that he will show his favor on us. And if you, if you know how the Lord has gifted you, but you have used it for your own means and your own attention, then confess. Pray and confess and let the Spirit lead you where he always leads you, as Paul says, back to the Son and to his Lordship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you. Thank you for this body, Lord. I'm so grateful. You know my heart. You know the love that I have for these people and the joy that I have because of this body and what you are doing here and what you have done. Anticipation for what you're going to do, Lord. I'm grateful. And I pray, God, that you would help us. Help us, Lord, even now, even now, we are so prone to wander. Some of us will be tempted to forget what your word has said before we start our car. Would you guard and protect us, Lord? As we endeavor by your will to go through weeks of this, Lord, would you help us? Help us to be people who submit to you, our Lord. And would you joyfully manifest yourself through this body? Would you joyfully display, God, the unity that is seen in the Godhead through this body? And would you grant that we would see the common good happen? That this body would be built up in love, And that you would be glorified. Because you alone are worthy, Lord. And so we praise you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.